Okay, so I guess I'm here because I just have this sense that I'm so deeply blessed over and over and over again. And it's one of those deeply blessed feelings that feels like it's not just I did this so then I get this result kind of thing. It's like one of those like mercy and grace kinds of I feel so blessed kinds of things. But also this sense of like I don't feel like I'm the only one that gets this, right? At some point in all of our journeys I feel like that is available to us. But it's like I don't know exactly when in everybody's journey. I don't know exactly what, at what point makes the most sense for every single person to be able to feel this this level of 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 connection and this level of gladness and this level of I don't know. I I I can't okay. I do know, you know? There's aspects of this that I do know. And there's aspects of it that I can't really explain. But what I can say is I just know that God is real, that he lives, that Jesus Christ is his son, and that for some reason they dedicated their lives, you know, they literally have dedicated their lives, their work and their glories to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, right? Of us, of, of all the rest. Like, Jesus Christ is the eldest brother of all of us. And he's taken it upon himself as the oldest to take care of us, right? And, and I feel like he does. You know, I go and I spend time with people sometimes. And I, I take time to really listen and feel what they have felt in different situations and bear each other's burdens with them and 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 get into that zone of really like being right there with them right and <clears throat> and then I come away and there's a part of me that feels like there's a part of me that has died and and will never be the same again from different instances that I have with other people when they share certain things and, and I'm transformed in that experience with them to be there with them, to bear those burdens with them. And so, you know, there's parts of me that are trying to, to figure that out, right? To figure out what, what is a person to do when they are in this process of bearing another's burdens and what are they to do, you know, if there wasn't a savior, right? If, if I went along the journey trying to do this thing without believing there was a savior to be able to take those burdens and then transform them into something even more beautiful. Because I know I'm not capable of doing that by myself. I don't have those skills yet to be able to <coughs> process all of that <coughs> and turn that into joy in a way that I feel like in some ways that is my destiny to know how to do, right? But for the time being, I can pass it on to my older brother, oldest brother, and be like, hey, here are some things. I know that you, this is your jam, and you can do this, and I know that you're so happy to do it for me. Could you please take it from me, right? And do that for me. And, 
And I just, you know, and sometimes I just pray that like throughout my life's journey of leaning on other people, that they were able to pass it on to Jesus Christ too. So he could help them process and recycle that energy and, and turn it into something even more beautiful. And I just hope and pray that that is the case. Because I feel like as people, there's so much emotion, there's so much despairing, so much disappointment, so much discouragement and, and frustration and confusion and, and agony, you know? There's just so much of that. And us as individual people, I do not think we are personally capable of doing what Christ can do for us, you know? There's a difference between what we can offer to others versus what Christ is ready to offer to us individually and as a whole. And so I guess I started off talking about this because I just felt like I really got to feel of the healer's touch this week. I actually felt like I did, you know, because I was going through a little tizzy of feeling like, you know, kind of despairing, kind of lost, kind of kind of getting caught up in, in, in feeling the depth of the burdens of the wounded maiden, right? Just, you know, I've been reading different books and, and, you know, having moments with different people and, and just, just the overall feeling is just that I feel like I get it, you know? I feel like I'm just getting a glimpse of what this is like for people. I felt like growing up, I already went through enough of my own version of turmoil and, and things like that. And and thankfully, throughout, you know, throughout my 20s and now my 30s, like, yes, of course, there's been different bouts of different seasons of depression kinds of things and different seasons of deep worry for other people's depression kinds of things and and different seasons of of intense stress over over being ready and available and prepared to do what I felt like what was mine to do for five little sweeties you know under nine years of having them all jam-packed together and all that that comes with that kind of a workload um, and love load and everything in between, right? And yes, there's been those kinds of things. And there's a part of me that just, just prays and wonders to Heavenly Father, what about these, these young maidens, right? You know, going and learning some more. Um, I was able to learn a little bit more about what people... I guess all over the world have kind of come to in their understanding of different fairy tales and different characters in them. And I guess there's different titles that are given to different women figures, right? They call them archetypes and there's, you know, there's there's different women that are associated with different seasons, right? Women characters. So the let's just say the spring character is the young maiden, right? Sometimes she can be a little naive, but also she can also be very, like, vigorous and, and ready to just push forward all this creative energy to try new things and that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> after that, there's this, like, mother figure, you know, like, which is Summer. 
and this person that's just able to um, just just like hold space, right? And then the fall is like the wild woman, the the one that is able to just be this person that upturns everything and is decisive and discerning and and ready to just make things happen so that during winter, it's the actual winter that she was looking for kind of thing. And then winter is the crone, the, the, the wise woman, and they even associate it with the witch, right? Which makes sense because I guess historically, people assumed that anyone that was kind of like a midwife or a healer kind of a person was a witch. So of course they would put the title of a witch with the crone and the wise woman kind of thing, right? So anyway, as I've been taking time to just like soak in some of this kind of stuff and like think about it and feel it out and, and everything, you know, I've been I've been toying with it in in figuring out what what it means to me, yes, but then also what does it mean in my context of my interpretation of how I connect with God and how I connect with myself and how I connect with my spouse and how I connect with my children and how I connect with his son Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for me and and what what does it all mean as I, I bring it all together in my heart and my mind and have it all integrated into this one big beautiful source of light for me to move forward with. <coughs> and so what I've been able to gather is Basically, that of all the cultures and of all the different philosophies of men and everything, something that is so important for me to remember amongst it all is that I feel like there's this gathering that's going on. That Heavenly Father's just like, you know what? Do what you do, believe what you believe, and let's... Let's go to the essentials of everybody's basic beliefs, right? Let's go to the essentials and find that common ground, right? And when I go to that space, it's like, it's not trying to, to say this or that or whatever, but it's actually this and, right? It's like, yes, take what is you and what you've gathered and what you've taken your whole life to like, to put together and, and transform and make beautiful into the gift that you offer into the world and let's focus on the eternal version of this. Let's focus on the essentialism of what you have brought forth here. If you were to only take the vital few aspects of what you have gathered and bring it to the table of eternity and allow that to make up the beautifulness of eternity, what would that be like? Kind of like the way they say, you know, there's this little activity that different people prompt sometimes. If you were to choose one book that you're going to bring onto a deserted island and start a whole new society, what would that book be, right? And just, like, what would be the most essential aspects that you would make sure are part of this new society, right? And I guess that's kind of the, the basics of where I was going here when I was processing all of it. It's like, what... What am I to do with all of this? And then, and then it's like, okay, well, what's the basics of it all, right? And then it's like, well, yeah. To me, it, it all just goes back to pure love of God. It's like, what aspects of this is going to be the most essential for me to develop even more self-compassion, even more compassion towards others in 
understanding them, you know, in understanding them and to be able to offer them the opportunity to feel the love of God, offer myself to feel the love of God in this journey of, of healing and of love and, and openness and, and all of this kind of thing. So as I was going through this, I also was so glad because, because, you know, it's easy, you know, it's easy to go through different, different aspects of life and, and to, to play the card of, okay, well, this is all fine and nice, but then where's the woman perspective? It's easy to go there, right? It's easy to go there with, with anything, with how things are taught how things are managed, how different systems are run, everything, right? It's like, where's the women's perspective about all this, right? It's like, sometimes I wonder, you know, going to a town council kind of meeting with my kids, just like for a field trip, and the way that they run the town, right? And there's always a part of me that's like, well, okay, but where's the women's perspective about it? Like, what if, what if, like, after all that was said and done with votes and stuff, if you all just went back to your grandmas, and there was this grandma circle, of like, what do all the grandmas think about this little thing that was just voted on or whatever? Like, is it even an important thing for the future of this town? Like, like legit. Like, you've lived the longest. You understand what goes on on the ins and outs of every girl, boy, child, everyone, and, and how it's fruitioned over the times, over the, the dozens of years. So, like, tell us, like, what is worth our time to even vote about, right? Like, when it comes down to it. And, and that's kind of what I see, right? So then it's easy to, to look at anything nowadays and be like, where's a woman perspective, right? Like, I do that in everything now. You know, I was, I was even doing it kind of in my scriptures yesterday. And thankfully, you know, there's, there's different parts where it's like a mother figure talks to all of her children or, or testifies. And, but then there's that other part where it's like, yeah, I, I think I get it, though. I get it, you know? Behind every good man, there is a good woman, right? So it's just like, you know, and there's this other book that I read. Something about something about someone talking about how she was getting to know Heavenly Mother kind of thing. And basically what she was able to get down to was that anytime God is mentioned, anytime Heavenly Father is mentioned, anytime there's any reference to a higher power, yes, we're talking about Heavenly Father, but we are also every time talking about Heavenly Mother. There is no Heavenly Father without Heavenly Mother, right? Like when we say Heavenly Father, we're actually saying both of them, right? So that helped me, you know? So when I'm reading these stories of the different scriptures and everything, I'm able to see in between the lines and be like, yeah, absolutely. All of these good people that are mentioned who are typically men, right? they wouldn't be who they were, they just wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to do what they do without their, their wives and their mothers in the background, making sure they had all the food to eat and, and the chores, you know, organized as they were, and, and, and making sure the children were taken care of and, you know, all of that beautiful work that was happening in the background to support these amazing, amazing people, right? that were able to lead people in Christ and, and all these things. So, so that's kind of my, 
my sorting through some of that stuff. And then there's the other side too that I'm sorting through. It's like, you know, looking back on history and, and the world and everything, right? It's like, there's a part of me that wonders, it's like, what if it was reversed though? You know, what if all of the prophets and all of the, the people that were talked about in the scriptures were actually like, what if there was a scripture that talked about all the, 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 the moms and the wives and the girls and the children and, and what was happening in their lives in this whole time period, right? And there's an actual like reference guide, like almost like a, a woman's guide to the scriptures kind of a thing, right? There's like a part of me that just wonders, right? Like what would that be like? You know, how powerful would that be, right? Are a few in between <clears throat> for there to be individuals that would take it and run with it. You know, yes, I'm reading this amazing book right now where this gentleman summarizes these amazing works of literature and and he had a mom that read to him, so he starts off his whole summarizing, reviewing these amazing pieces of literature with not only None other than like Anne of Green Gables. He talks about Anne of Green Gables like she is the bomb, right? She's like the boss lady of like that era of, of literature. And he loves it. And he talks about how he probably loves it so much because his wife was from Canada. So he just feels extra connection with this little girl that was so precious. And I think that's precious. This is the first time I've ever read a guy about a guy or heard about a guy talking about a female character in a story in such a connected kind of a way, right? Not, maybe not the very first time, but the most like, the most lasting impression that it's made on me, right? Out of any guy that's ever done that, right? And, and I think in some ways, I think Heavenly Father just knew, right? Like in bringing about his scriptures, in trying to promote and move forward this beautiful, <clears throat> dispensation to bring in his Christ child and to also bring in his second coming, he knew the hearts of his children, right? He knew they needed step by step. They weren't ready to just totally go jump from man-centered culture to jump into femininity, feminist kind of style of doing things, you know, like, and just go there, right? Like, it's like, I feel like it's a step-by-step -step kind of thing, and I, I can understand that. Right? Like, I can totally understand that, and I can have total compassion for that beautiful thing of what that is. Like, people do need step-by-step. -step. People need gradual and, and gentle and subtle. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. So, so then what do I go with that? So then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm striving my best with that kind of stuff. And then, and then I'm reading this beautiful book. You know, it, it always brings me back into this space of like, okay, this is what it's really about for me. Because I'm a deeply affectionate kind of a person. You wouldn't be able to tell as much if you just saw me in my day-to-day -day life. Because <coughs> in some ways, I kind of keep it like bottled up. I kind of keep it for my husband, basically, right? Like, I just, I just don't, like, it, it was just one of those things growing up. I literally never understood why people were so huggy and, and so romantic and so, you know, so caught up in, 
and feelings and emotions and things. And whenever I saw anybody that way, I just kind of thought it was all fake. It's like, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't know that people can love each other that much. And so I guess when I met him and I started to feel all of those things, it's just kind of stayed in that space of like, he's my person that I do that and feel that with. And, and then, and I don't, and I just kind of save it all for him, you know, like, I know different, like, you know, girlfriend, friend kind of people that, like, are, like, interconnected that way, like, in their own friendship kind of way, but I just, like, I just, like, keep it all for him, because I just, I just feel so much, I guess, gratitude, right? It's just such a deep, deep gratitude for him coming into my life. So this kind of topic kind of jives together really well with what I was just about to say with this leaning on Jesus kind of a thing. And, <clears throat> and what I was going to say about it is that it was such an important book for me to read and reread and ponder on and really help me. Because especially with, you know, a lot of this world of where it's going with the wounded maidens and them trying to sort out their whole experience of becoming wounded over the years and wounded and wounded again and, and in the space of like <clears throat> wondering, right? Of wondering when is it ever going to get better and what what is this for and all of this kind of thing. It's easy for me to just kind of like stay there in that space and be like totally like, like this is the thing and terrible place to stay, right? And then there was a part of me that's like reading the leaning on Jesus. And there was that part that was just feeling so much despair and be like, what about these maidens, right? Like, like what is going to happen? What is going to, what is, what and when is this all going to get better, right? And I'm sure I'm asking a question that has been asked over all the ages of time. Because clearly there's been suffering ever since the beginning. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, right? That's just been a part of our experience with life, you know, by the sweat of our brow and everything, right? So then here I am trying to suffer through as I'm like, you know, like reading and trying to gather what, what does this all mean, right? And then there's this lady in this book, Michelle Wilson, that just talks all into it. She talks so firmly and so testifying about this leaning on Jesus concept, like leaning and, and just laying our head on his bosom and just letting it, letting it go, letting, him, letting ourselves actually believe he is capable of what he says he is, and he actually did what he said he did, and that, that he is able to do all those things, and and that we don't need to keep all those things and and stay in that agonizing place for eternity, right? Like, we can begin the process of letting him take those burdens. And so then, there's a part of me that took all those, those women, wounded maiden stories, and tried to imagine them to be able to somehow process all of those feelings with Christ, right? And there was a part of me that was a little bit despairing to be like, but how could they? What if he wasn't actually there? What if he wasn't actually there in the same way that all those individuals that were supposed to be these maidens, guardians of virtue, weren't there for them, right? So how could they bridge the gap to be able to connect with Heavenly Father and Christ 
when they've never had that in a physical way from somebody that had exemplified that in the way that they were supposed to, right? They were, they were, they were supposed to and they didn't, right? And so then there I was just kind of sitting there and being like, man, that's intense. That is like, that just hurts my heart, right? So I was like hurting in this space. And then, and then there I was just kind of like sitting and, and then, you know, go back into my other space of like affection and love with my sweet husband who I'm just so grateful for in my life because like, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to, you know, tell the story of like, hey, you know, this, this was my terrible wounded maiden story and then this was my prince that, that took me away from that. Okay, maybe, okay, maybe I am. <laughs> because in some ways that kind of was what happened, but my terrible maiden story was not so much of the, of the aspect of, of my guardian of virtue not being there, is that I never really thought I would have a guardian of virtue to come at all, really. Like, I never really expected it. I just kind of expected to be this wounded maiden kind of person from just, like, the, the wounds of, of just being young and living life and, and, and feeling the burdens of life all upon me. And then they hear this, this handsome man comes. Like, I told myself I wouldn't trust or be with anyone that... Unless if I just felt like they just loved Jesus Christ the most, and that they would do anything to do what he would do, right? Because I knew if they truly did believe in Christ, they would treat me appropriately in conjunction with that. And I trusted that, right? And so, thankfully, Heavenly Father really did pull through with that for me, right? I'd gone through a lot from the ages of, like, you know, birth to... Like 18 was, I'm pretty sure I was 18 when I met him, right? And then it wasn't until I was 19 that we started, yeah, dating and getting to know each other, that kind of thing. Anyways, yeah, 18, right? And then I meet him and I'm like, holy smokes, this is this golden beaming man, right? And I'm like, oh goodness, like what do I do with this? And then, <coughs> yes. There's been the journey of growth, right? Like, yes, I thought he was maybe more perfect than he actually was, like in the first half of our marriage, for example, right? But at the same time, it's like I I could see his potential, right? I could see his potential all the way from the beginning. And even through his different follies and different, you know, valleys that he's gone through and that I've been, you know, there to help support and, and just be this, this person that transitioned from the healing, the, the maiden person to this mother person, right? And like this healing person. Um, and then in other instances back into the maiden, right? Like we, we switch roles all the time with each other where, you know, he's, but he, for some reason, He's the one that coined the phrase, the guardian of virtue for me, right? Like, like he's always thought and felt like he needed to give me wings, right? And then over time, he's gained this like solid rock, solid testimony over time to be like, he needs to be my guardian of virtue, right? He's realized there's too much turmoil that goes on in the world where women 
children, whatever, get lost. And they, they, they just are not honored appropriately, right? And so at least he's going to do his part with me, right? And, and I guess that's, that's where it all comes back together. It's like, I just think about Christ and him and his leaning on, like leaning on his bosom kind of thing. And I'm just like, oh, that's such a beautiful thing, right? Like, that's such a beautiful thing. And then I think about what, it, what it, for people that don't have that person to lean on. Because I remember when I was married first time. And there was this like phrase that I read somewhere that said something like, you know, both you and your spouse draw closer to Christ. And then as you draw closer to your spouse, you draw closer to Christ. Like there's, you can create this beautiful triangle with each other so that it's the synergistic triangle, you know? And then even to the point where it said something like the only, there was this, this little text that I was studying. It's like the only other person that you should love as much as Christ is your spouse kind of thing. And I remember when I read that, I was just blown away. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you saying what I think you're saying? Like the kind of love and respect and honor that we give to Christ, give to your spouse? Like what? Are you kidding me? You know, like it just like blew my mind. But then I go back to the scriptures and it's like, well, of course, right? It says it all right there. It's like, like do all of these, like, I don't know the exact scriptures, right? But the scriptures that basically say like, do these things and then when you do it to them, you're doing it to me kind of thing, right? Like, that's the whole general idea. And it's the same with our spouse, right? So then it's like, oh, are you kidding me? So then it's like, you know, when when I take time to talk with him and just like let him bear my burdens and like really take that time and, and tell him how much he means to me and how much I actually like really feel like he does do that for me, you know? He is that person for me where when I hold him, I feel like I'm holding Christ, right? Like, and I get to have that, that treasured feeling of holding my eldest brother, like, through my husband. It's like, it's like one of the most tender experiences I could ever have to just feel so honored to be given that gift, you know, in my home, right? And so I guess I just wanted to share that because I just felt like, I wanted to remember that in my own story, right? That that, that like the maiden isn't supposed to stay wounded forever, right? In some ways, we have this wounded maiden experience in our lives because it's, it is like what is mentioned, you know? We, we are given this opportunity to turn suffering into joy, to allow for the suffering so that we can understand the depths of joy even more. And I just believe so strongly that it's a full circle kind of thing. It's never just this one thing, this one feeling, and then we're blocked in and we're painted into a corner and then we stay there forever. I just don't feel like that is, that's our destiny.